0: Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, good morning, Wildwood. I'm glad we've got a chance to be together today and excited that we're going to have a chance to open up God's Word together and look into that. Uh, We are going to be in... Romans chapter 10 today, if you've been with us the last several weeks, you know that we're in the midst of a series that is based out of the book of Romans chapters 9 through 11, a series that is focusing on the security that we have in our salvation in Christ, that we can know that we have eternity ahead of us with God if we have professed faith in Christ. And we know that not just from the promises of God though he certainly has given us those promises. And we know that not just from the empty tomb, though certainly Jesus is resurrected from the grave, but we know that by looking at how God has been faithful to his promises in the past. And when we look at that, how God was faithful to his promises to different people, parts of his family tree, we can see how God would be faithful to us. In other words, by looking at how God is faithful to the branch of his tree that are the people of Israel, the Jewish people, how he has made good on those promises, we can have a confidence that God will make good on his promises to us and that our salvation is indeed secure. And so we've been walking through Romans chapters 9 through 11 that focus us on this truth And today we're going to be in Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 21. But before we look at those verses together today, I want to just ask a a question of you. And that question is this. When I say the word accessible, what do you think of? When I say the word accessible, what do you think of? Now, for for some, when I, I say that word, you're thinking of all different kinds of things. But I think for many of us, when I say the word accessible, uh, you think what I think of, and that has to do something with those with disability having access to things that the rest of us experience normally. Things like ramps inside of of hotels and, and restaurants and shopping malls and schools and churches that make it possible for those in wheelchairs or those who need some help getting around to, to access uh, the things that all of us enjoy. Well, thankfully, we live in a country that has the Americans with Disabilities Act, so that this access is available in public places uh, to all people and you know sometimes we we are aware of those things we see those ramps, but we forget how important they are until we 're the one who needs it. For many in this room um, we don 't need it all the time, but for some in this room, you have a member of your family or you yourself that that utilize those ramps and those those paths often, but for the rest of us, it only happens occasionally. I remember a few years ago when I I ruptured my Achilles tendon, um, I I had some surgery to repair that, and for a season of time, I I needed some help getting around. I was on crutches. I remember going out to a a shopping mall and and moving around that shopping mall on these crutches, and suddenly that ramp did not look like a waste of space to me anymore. It was a very valued piece of real estate because it allowed me to get where I needed to get. When I think of accessibility, I think of those things. Now, here's the point today as it relates to Romans chapter 10. What we see in Romans chapter 10 is that God is proclaiming that salvation is accessible to us. Salvation is accessible to us. And and here's where it connects with the story that I began with. All of us have a fairly significant disability. All of us are are unable to access salvation on our own strength, we need God to provide another way. We need him to make an accommodation. And God has done that. He has made salvation accessible to us by providing a way for us to connect to him through Christ. See, all of us have this spiritual uh, problem that is sin that separates us from God and prevents us in our own strength and our own power from approaching him. We need God to make a way for us to connect with Him, and that way that He has created is through Christ. And through Christ, salvation becomes accessible to you and me. And today, what we're going to see in Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 21, is how God has made salvation accessible to us. We're going to see four things in these verses uh, that relate to our salvation, And I want to read these verses for us first, and then we'll back up and and look at them a little more in depth. So Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 5, goes like this. The Apostle Paul writes and says, For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is, in the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, "'I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry.' Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, "'I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me.' But of Israel, he says, "'All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and a contrary people.'" Now, in these 16 verses today, we see something about our salvation and about how it is accessible to you and me. The first thing that we see here is that salvation is easily accessible. Salvation is easily accessible. Now, we see this in the first five verses of our section from chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. Paul begins to write here, and he's really continuing the conversation that we had last Sunday, because in the first few verses of chapter 10, Paul was talking about how pursuit of God was found in two primary camps. There were those that pursued God through their obedience, they pursued attaining God's righteousness through obedience in their own strength, and there were those who pursued God's righteousness through faith in Christ. There were those who wanted to access God on their own, and there there were those who trusted in what God had provided in Christ to access him. Those who pursued God on their own, Paul says, were frustrated. They were unable to achieve a connection with the God of the universe. They were unable to secure their salvation in their own strength. But he says that those who have pursued God on the basis of faith, they have attained salvation. They have it. They have an assurance of their eternity. That's what we saw last Sunday, and he's really continuing that here in verses 5 to 10. See, in verse 5, he he talks about those who try to pursue righteousness through their obedience, through their good works. And he quotes Moses here from the book of Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 5 when he says, Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. The idea there is that if someone were able to live up to and fulfill all of the laws of God perfectly then it might be possible theoretically for that person to be connected to the god of the universe through their obedience but the challenge comes in that no one is able to do that as a matter of fact the apostle paul the same one who quotes this section from leviticus 18:5 here Quotes these these same verses, these same words in Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, when he makes the admission, and no one is able to do that. You see, we can't approach God on the basis of our own works. Salvation is not easily accessible to us through our own effort because we have already fallen short. Forget about tomorrow. Forget about this afternoon. You've already sinned in your past. You've sinned a day ago. You've sinned a week ago. You've sinned years ago. Friends, you sinned minutes ago. We cannot rely on our own strength because it is impossible to 100% live out all the qualifications of the law. Let's just take our time of worship. We just spent 15 minutes singing praise and worship to God. Did your mind ever wander? Were you ever thinking about something else? We're singing about the God of the universe. Did you ever begin to think about game seven? Did you think about your, your, your father, you wanted to get together with him a little later on? Did you think about, oh, I forgot that this is Father's Day and I need to go stop by TJ Maxx on the way home and act like I had it all the time? I mean, our mind wanders, right? We are sinful people, we're fallen people. We cannot approach God on the basis of our own efforts because we cannot live it all the way out. We will ultimately break God's law, we'll break His standard. And he mentions here in verse 5 that some have approached God on the basis of their own efforts, and the problem with that is they, they cannot live by them. They fall short. But he mentions that, that it is possible for salvation to become accessible to us because even though we cannot live out the law in our own strength, God has provided another way. And that way is through Christ embraced In us by faith. He gets into this in in verse 6 and following. He says, the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will descend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Now, I don't know about you, but when, when I first read those verses, they were hard for me to understand. Were those challenging for you? What in the world is he talking about when he, when he mentions this? Well, it's a challenge for us in part because our understanding of the, of, the, of the Bible is is limited. We might be familiar with certain passages of Scripture in the New Testament, but we might not be as familiar with passages of Scripture in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, I talked after the first service with someone that grew up in an Orthodox Jewish background, and they recognized these words immediately. We had a great conversation about them, because Paul is here quoting an Old Testament section of Scripture. He's alluding to Deuteronomy chapter 30. See, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, the same Moses that said that if we are to live by the law, we're going to live it out and we're going to live it out all the way, he acknowledged that we, it was impossible for us to do that perfectly and that salvation was accessible and was easily accessible to us, not by us doing something miraculous like keeping the law perfectly, but by embracing from the heart what God was offering to us. By faith, it was possible for us to connect with that. And in alluding to Deuteronomy 30, uh, what what Paul is, is, is doing here is he's reminding us that there really are no prerequisites that precede our belief in Christ that makes salvation accessible to us. When you think of it this way, he talks first about ascending into heaven. This was right out of Deuteronomy chapter 30. It was this idea that we might be able to perform well enough over time through our obedience and our good works to climb a ladder to get to heaven. Paul says, it's, it's not about us climbing a ladder through our obedience to go get the Messiah and bring him back to earth. And then he goes on and says, it's not about just about our performance, but it's also not about us digging from the depths of our soul into doing something miraculous on our own, like raising someone from the dead. It says, who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. See, our salvation is not preceded by us earning God's favor. Our salvation is not preceded by us doing something miraculous. Our salvation is preceded by none of those things. In Deuteronomy 30, Moses expanded that and said, we don't even have to go across the sea to get salvation, We might put it in our vernacular, you don't even need to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem in order to be saved. Why is that? Because God has made salvation easily accessible to you and I. Those of us with a spiritual disability, and that is all of us of sin, God has made a ramp. He's made a way for us to be connected with him and there are no prerequisites that are required. We don't have to impress him with our good works. We don't have to perform miracles on the earth. We don't have to go to a special place because salvation is very near to us. It's very near to our hearts. What does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. See, salvation is the work of God in Christ. God has has offered that to us. And what God asks us to do in response is not impress him. What he asks us to do in response is to embrace by faith from the heart what he has already done in Christ. Salvation is easily accessible, not in our effort, but in God's work. He goes on with that foundation in two very famous Verses in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, where he says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. These verses are, are very famous. We, we hear them quoted many times not without the verses that preceded. it. It's the idea that this has always been God's plan God's plan all along has been for people to embrace him. Salvation has always been by God's grace, embraced by us in faith. And now that we live on this side of the cross, it is very clear how salvation becomes easily accessible to us. It becomes easily accessible to us when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. It says here that we are to confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, what does that mean, to confess that Jesus is Lord? Well to, to confess means to agree with In other words I'm going to when I confess that Jesus is Lord I'm going to agree with the reality that Jesus is Lord Now what does that what does that mean and look like Sometimes when we see that to confess that Jesus is Lord we think that is talking about a lifestyle decision that somehow saying that Jesus is Lord is something that happens after we've given him control of every single area of our lives. But that's not really what the context says, is it? The context of this section of Scripture is not talking about a lifestyle that is demonstrated over time. It's talking about how salvation is very near to our hearts. It's easily accessible. It's something that we can do in a minute, in a second, in an instant. We can profess our faith in Christ. To proclaim, to confess, to agree with the fact that Jesus is Lord, I think in, in context what it's saying is that we are agreeing with the fact that Jesus is God. In the, the context here of Paul's quotation of the Old Testament, Lord was a, another phrase that was used for God. It was a confession that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was the way of our salvation. This was important for Romans who lived in the first century because in the first century the Romans had got this this bold idea that Caesar was a god. It started with Caesar Augustus um, and, and it went on down from there. They were they were proclaiming that their Caesar, their ruler, was a god. And they were coming up to people within the empire and they were saying, Do you recognize Caesar as a god? Do you recognize Augustus as a god? Do you recognize Nero as a god? And what Paul is saying is, he's saying, for the Christian, the question is not, is Ciro, is Caesar God? The question is, is Jesus God? Now, clearly, friends, that will have lifestyle implications for us. If we recognize that Jesus is God, that he is Lord, then we live our lives in following him, but that's not what unlocks salvation for us. What unlocks salvation for us is through belief from the heart we agree with the reality that Jesus is God. He goes on and, and he says, not just confessing with your mouth that Jesus is God, but also believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. This is what leads to our salvation. It's a belief in our heart. Verse 10, with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. We see those things, and sometimes we see that description as two separate actions. There's a matter of belief and confession, belief and confession. But we need to remember that Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. And when Paul spoke, sometimes he would speak informed by his Hebrew upbringing that wrote poetry rhyming thoughts and not words. And in in Hebrew poetry, sometimes you would put four things together like this in a couplet where you have One statement and then repeat it here. And it was all designed to emphasize one single point. And that point is that what unlocks salvation for us, what makes salvation easily accessible to us, is believing in Christ. And and confession was so intimately tied to belief for the Apostle Paul that he couldn't imagine separating the two. We believe it, we confess it to the Lord in prayer, we let those around us know because it's such wonderful news that that is a demonstration of the reality that someone has come into a relationship with God. See, friends, salvation is easily accessible for us. Salvation is easily accessible for you and for me, and it's found not in our works. It's found in Christ's work and what he has done for us. And we connect to that by believing from our heart and agreeing with the reality of who he is. Have you ever come to a point in your life where you have professed faith in Christ? I want to give you a a few applicational thoughts about this section, about the idea that salvation is easily accessible. Uh, The first thing I want to do is just remind us that there is no prerequisite for our salvation. You know, many times, many times, friends, we think that in order for God to accept me, I've got to do blank first. I've got to go and live, if I, if I feel God leading me into a relationship with him, I've got to first have a good month of staying out of this or off that or away from him or away from her or whatever. We think that somehow we have a prerequisite that sits before faith in Christ to demonstrate to God how serious we are. That's mistaken, it's not biblical. Salvation is near to us. It's easily accessible to us. If you sense God leading you to a relationship with with Him, there is nothing else you need to do but in this moment profess your faith in Him. The second thing that we see is it is is, is normal for a Christian to profess their faith in Christ to others. It is absolutely normal to do so. And for 2,000 years, one of the big ways in which believers in Christ have expressed What has happened on the interior of their life on the outside is water baptism. Through water baptism, we publicly confess that we are a follower of Christ. The water does not save us, but the water is something that we do that is consistent with our salvation. It is hard to separate our confession of Christ from our belief in him. And and at Wildwood, we, we practice this all the time. Three times a year, we have baptism services. Our next one is coming up on July the 29th. We have a class to prepare for that on July the 10th. There's information about that in your bulletin. But if you're here today and you have trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, but you have never been baptized with water, find out the path in the bulletin today under baptism about how you can be a part of that baptism service on the 29th. Because biblically speaking, how could we ever separate our confession of faith from our belief in Him. And the third thing I want to point out as it relates to this phrase, you know, easily accessible, even when I said it, that bothered some of you, right? It bothered you for me to say that salvation was easily accessible because it seemed like we lowered the bar too far. People will sometimes criticize uh, the proclamation of the gospel as being some form of easy believism, But I want to just remind you of the cost of our salvation. I want to do so by by quoting uh, Pastor Chuck Swindoll, who had this to say about this idea in this passage. He said, Some have disparagingly called this truth easy believism. They cannot accept the gospel of faith because it appears to let humanity off God's hook too easily. But it wasn't easy for Christ, who paid for our salvation with His death, and then made abundant life possible through His resurrection. It wasn't easy for the apostles who preserved this message and subsequently died preaching it. It wasn't easy for thousands of early church martyrs who bore witness to this message through humiliation and torture before dying. It wasn't easy for the reformers who gave up everything to reclaim it from the apostate church in Rome. And it wasn't easy for the men and women who have sacrificed their own comfort and safety to carry it to the hostile places around the globe. Moreover, it isn't easy for naturally sinful people to believe the supernatural truth. Friends, it's easily accessible to us, but it wasn't cheap. God has made it possible for us in this moment to trust Christ from our hearts. But it's through a tremendous demonstration of His grace that we got there. First thing that we see is that salvation is easily accessible. The second thing we see is found in verses 11 through 13 though, and that is that salvation is equally accessible. Salvation is equally accessible. In verses 11 through 13, he's going to talk about the inclusion of both Jew and Gentile in one program, one plan of God, one opportunity for salvation. It's all found in Christ, and God is making this offer to both Jew and Gentile today. It's as if these verses are getting ready to tell us that entrance into salvation has no passport control, okay? If you've ever flown internationally, you have to show your passport, and that allows you access to different places. What Paul is getting ready to tell us is that God won't look to see, oh, you're an American? Okay, you're in. Oh, you're... From Iran, you're out. That's not the way it works. Instead of looking at our nationality, looking at our background, he looks at who we're trusting, in ourself or in Christ. He says in these verses, he says, the Scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." Salvation is equally accessible to people regardless of their nationality and background. God is pursuing them. Now because we believe this, because we know this, it has regular impact for how we live our lives in the ministry that we're a part of. Because we believe that everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame, that's why The Middleton family is joined together with others from Wildwood and around the region who are in Latvia right now serving at an orphan camp, proclaiming Christ to those orphans who are there. Uh, They're doing that because they believe that orphans matter to God. God didn't say, you know what, they're just orphans in Latvia, so they don't count. I'll focus my attention elsewhere. No, he said, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Therefore, they're there proclaiming Christ among the children of Latvia. That's why I had lunch earlier this week with Richard and Johanna Olivares, a Brazilian couple that works with Word of Life Seminary there, and they've been resident here in Oklahoma for a short time visiting their friends the Bradford's. And, And in our conversation, just a wonderful conversation to hear the strategic nature of their ministry as they help train people at the mouth of the Amazon River to go up the river to various people groups, 37,000 isolated villages off the Amazon River. They call them the river people. Of those 37,000 isolated villages, there's at least 10,000 of them that do have no access right now to the gospel. And they're training people to go up the river to proclaim Christ to them and to plant churches among them. Why do they do that? The reason why we do that is because we don't believe God's going, you know what? They're just river people. No. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Therefore, they go. This last week, Gene and Elena Thomas uh, went to Seminole, Oklahoma, and they hosted a motocross camp there for a whole bunch of, of, of kids with FCA. And then through that, that outreach, they, they were able to share Christ with this group of motocross kids who spend their weekends many times going from town to town and place to place in competitions away from local churches. Why do they invest their time in those kids? Because they believe that everyone who calls on the name of Christ will be saved. They don't believe that God's up there going, they're just motocross kids. No, everyone matters. The salvation is equally accessible. It has implications for all of what we do, folks. Who in your life have you written off? We don't write them off. Salvation is equally accessible. It is easily accessible. The third thing we see here is that salvation is evangelistically accessible. We see this in verses 14 and 15. Paul writes and says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? The idea here has to do with how God will get the message of salvation to his people. He will do so through his people. How does the gospel get up the Amazon River? It goes on boat with followers of Christ. How will the gospel get to the motocross community? It goes on a dirt bike. With Gene and Elena Thomas. How will, will the gospel, get? how did the gospel get to you? Someone came and shared that message. It was God's plan from the start. There were feet of someone who brought you good news. The, the, the reference there in 15 has to do with, in the, in the old days before there was Twitter and Facebook and the press as we know it, if a, a military victory was won on the field, they would send runners ahead. They called them the evangelists, they would run ahead to proclaim that victory had been won. In the same way, Paul uses that expression to talk about us. Christ won a victory at the cross, and we get to run ahead and tell people about him. That's God's plan for getting the gospel to all on this planet. That's God's plan for getting the gospel to your workplace and to your neighborhood and to your family. It's through you and me. How will they go unless they are sent? Guess what? What what did Jesus do right before he ascended into heaven? He sent us. He stood on the mountain and he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. We've been sent. I'm just reminding us now of what God has already done. We've been sent to carry the good news of Christ to those around us. That's That's God's plan. And when we go, and many of you see this and you think it's your opt-out clause because it says that, that there's preaching involved. And you're thinking, no, 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 preaching, that's your job, pastor. That's not my job. That's your job. And, and here, I just want to set you at ease. When you go and proclaim Christ in your neighborhood, you don't have to do so in 35-minute chunks. Some of y'all think I preach too long already anyway. Um, so here's your way of practicing that as a reality. You don't have to give a 35-minute sermon in order to preach Christ. You just run ahead and you let people know of the life that you found in him. You know what the most important thing about evangelism is? It's not a what, it's a who. It's Jesus Christ who is actively pursuing people already, going before us, and he's the one to whom we point. We can do that by inviting people to come and to hear his word preached and taught We could also do so by merely sharing a testimony of God's faithfulness in our lives. Friends, what will you do this week to engage in God's call to evangelistically make the gospel accessible, salvation accessible to those you know? See, salvation is easily accessible. It's equally accessible. It's evangelistically accessible. But here is the the sad reality It is often rejected. Despite God making it accessible to us, the gospel is often rejected. And Paul reminds us of that as he he talks about and quotes a number of Old Testament passages that refer to his fellow countrymen Israel's rejection of the gospel. But what is said here of Israel by application falls on many who have rejected Christ. In his offer of salvation. Right here, beginning in, in verse 16, he says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. There's a rejection of the gospel that has happened. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Then he goes on, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have, have they not heard? Now, I think this is an interesting thing because what he's saying here of the of the Jewish people and what is true of many who have rejected Christ is that the message has gone out. They just they just didn't hear it. They heard it, but they didn't hear it. Let me give you an example that maybe will make some sense of that. Um, Today is Father's Day. And and one of my great desires for Father's Day is to watch Game 7 of the NBA Finals tonight. Now, when that game comes on, it is possible that my wife might want to talk about something deep and significant. If that were to happen tonight, I'm going to confess in advance that though I might hear it, I might not hear it. I'm sorry. And a similar thing happened spiritually. I mean, you could not live in the nation of Israel and not be familiar with the Old Testament prophecies. You could not live in the nation of Israel and not know that there was an empty tomb where Jesus had once been buried. You couldn't have lived in the nation of Israel and not known someone or heard something about this carpenter who was resurrected from the grave or knew that he walked on water or he fed 5,000 or that he. Caused Lazarus to rise from the dead. You couldn't have missed that. It, there was noise around. There were words around, but they just, though they heard it, they didn't hear it. Paul quotes Psalm 19, verse 4. He says, Their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. In direct context, in Psalm 19, he's talking about the testimony of nature. But what Paul is really saying here is that the testimony of Christ and who he is, the fact that he is God, and he is resurrected from the grave, that that testimony is as pervasive in Israel as the fact that there's a God at all, and yet they didn't hear it. They rejected, and many today have rejected as well. 19, I asked that Israel not understand. First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. The idea there is that God is continuing to pursue his the Jewish people, and he's doing so right now primarily by wooing them back to himself with a hope that they would become jealous of the relationship that God has with the church. Verse 20, Isaiah is so bold to say, I've been found by those who did not seek me, I've shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Talking about us. And then verse 21 Of Israel, he says, all day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and to a contrary people. Sadly, friends, though the gospel is accessible, it is often rejected. But here's the thing. Don't let it be rejected by you. If you're here today and you have never professed your faith in Christ. But you feel leaning into this conversation. Know that God has gone before you to make a ramp to make it possible. God has made the gospel accessible to you. If it begins to make sense to you right now, it's not because of me, it's because of Him. And remember, there are no prerequisites that you must fulfill before you might take that step of faith in Christ. But right now, where you sit in this moment, you can be professing your faith in Christ, acknowledging that he is God, acknowledging that he is the way, acknowledging that God raised him from the dead. And if that's the case, then in this moment, the gospel that is evangelistically and easily and equally accessible will be applied to you, and you will have salvation and security forever. We just would trust him. Friends, we're going to end the service today in a special way, and I want you to stand as we get ready to do so. Because publicly and collectively, I want us to end the service by professing our faith in Christ. And we're going to do so through song. Remember in, in Romans ten eight and 9, it talks about if we profess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And we're going to sing together the refrain of a song that says, Christ is risen from the dead. And as we sing that song, from the heart, if we believe it, know that salvation is accessible to you today. And if you have never trusted Christ, let the words of this song be your vocabulary as you trust him today. But before we sing, let me pray. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for the love that you have for us, for the forgiveness that you offer to us, for the life and the salvation that you've made possible. Father, I pray that we would not be a people that reject your salvation, but we would be a people that embrace what you have done for us and what you offer for us in Christ. Father, may we have the faith from our hearts to embrace the reality of who Jesus is, that we might follow him all of our days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.